my name is Samer, if we've never met, and uh, I've got to be a part of the TLR team for a lot of years, and it's the best thing I've ever done, and now I get to serve here at our church as lead pastor, and I'm so pumped to just spend a few minutes uh, with you tonight um, just asking this really simple question. How are you doing? But like, really? Like, how are you doing really? It's that time in the semester where life just feels a little bit more hectic and it feels a little bit more crazy. And not because necessarily like finals are coming up and the holidays are always crazy, but I've always found it's my experience. Yeah, like, like school is crazy and everything gets crazier at the end of a year and at the end of a semester. But it just kind of seems to be at this point in the year, everything that happened from like January to October, now suddenly all the beatings that you took and all the things that you walked through and all the drama that you walked through and all the things that you did, good and bad, it just starts to pile up. And suddenly in November, you're just feeling all of it, and you're getting to the end of the year and you're just tired, and I'm just tired. And here's the interesting thing, and and maybe this is true for you, this is certainly true for me. I'm currently experiencing a type of fatigue, and this is what I wanna talk about for a few minutes, a type of fatigue that isn't fixed by eight hours of sleep. Like the kind of tired that doesn't just go away because I got extra sleep at night. It's just so personal for me. I mean, right now, this, this season that I'm in has been hectic. In a lot of good ways, it's just been crazy. This year, if I'm being honest, in a lot of ways, it's been an emotional roller coaster for me. It's been awesome. It's been full of a lot of good, a lot of sad. Me transitioning jobs was a big thing for me and my family. If I'm being totally honest with you, I was more sad leaving uh, and not leading TLR and being lead pastor than I was excited about it for a little while because I loved it so much and it meant so much to me and my wife and my family and it's just a special season for us. And so there's all that that was happening and, and starting a new job that comes with a whole set of emotions and a lot of different things and a lot of new and that comes with a lot of hectic. And then not to mention my wife, we've got two littles, Harper who's three, Samantha who's one and a half. And now we've got a third on the way who is due January 1st. And so Julie is really pregnant. We don't know what it is yet. We're gonna be surprised. So that's gonna be really, really fun. But that just adds a whole new level of crazy and a whole new level of emotion, right? We're no longer gonna be be able to play man-to-man defense. When this third baby comes, we're playing zone. If you don't know basketball, you don't get that reference. And at this point, I can't help you. Um, but, but it's also emotional. And, and, and you'll understand this for a lot of you when your parents one day, but um, every time you add a new kid, it's like you're grieving um, that season that is now lost, even though you're just as excited about the next one. And so right now, I mean, we're, we're kind of grieving that we're no longer gonna be family of just four, but at the same time, so thrilled that we're gonna be a family of five. I can't explain it, but there's just a lot. And then, you know, my wife is nesting. It's a thing where you're about to have a kid and you, you, you always do it, but they, you get the house ready. And so we, we repainted the nursery. I don't even know why. We don't even know what the gender is, but we just repainted it and, and we're getting new things and getting new stuff set up. And, and the big thing right now, I'm, I'm buying us a new car because we need a bigger car. Uh, my wife's Toyota Corolla isn't gonna cut it. And so we are getting a minivan. I'm joining the minivan mafia, but I'm honestly excited about it. We're getting a Honda Odyssey and those things are decked out, okay? It's unbelievable. I hope she lets me drive it to work. But buying a new car, stressful. There's a lot of things going on. I'm on, the, I'm on the crunch. I gotta get in there before the baby comes and there's just so much going on out on top of the holidays. And, and then the, I almost forgot about this. The last week and a half, can I be honest? Last week and a half has been hard for me, man. My whole family's been sick. 
my little Samantha got sick, then she got Harper sick, then Harper got Julie sick, and I thought my immune system was better. Nope, eventually I got sick too. My wife's been so sick, and because you're pregnant, you can't take any medicine. I mean, there's very limited medicine that you can take. It's just been crazy for us the past week. I stayed at home a bunch last week to take care of our kids because Julie was too sick too, and it's just been a lot. But you don't have to have kids or to be married or to get a new job to experience a lot. I know, I know that you could give me your own level of crazy and your own level of hectic and some good, some bad. And sometimes it's just the mundane things, but suddenly you look over the course of like 10 months of a year and it's like, man, I'm just tired. And sleep won't fix it. So for me, One of the words that I would use to describe how I'm feeling, and maybe you could feel the same way, and it's this, it's the word overwhelmed. Overwhelmed, maybe you feel overwhelmed. I certainly feel a little bit overwhelmed. And by overwhelmed, I mean you're processing too much. I'm processing too much. Overwhelmed, like we're making decision after decision after decision. There's always something we're deciding. For you in school, you're deciding this, you're deciding that. For some of you, you had to decide a major this year and that just took so much. Who am I living with? Where am I going? Where am I going to live with? Am I gonna keep this job? Am I not gonna keep this job? What class am I gonna drop? What schedule am I gonna make? I mean, decision after decision after decision or processing so much. Technology makes it really, really difficult to disconnect. And so we're constantly processing information, processing notifications, out of control group texts that we're processing, right? Like that's constantly happening. And then there's just the tensions of life that we're consistently processing. Stuff with family, tensions in relationships, a breakup that kind of took you out, maybe some roommate drama. You're trying to figure some things out with them or with your boyfriend or with your girlfriend. Maybe somebody is sick and it's just hard to process. And you just feel overwhelmed, right? It's kind of hard to describe it, but you know when it's happening. You just feel overwhelmed. You're just processing too much. For some of you, maybe you might feel overcommitted. You're doing too much. And it's like you know it, but you just can't stop. You say yes to everything. And you're continually going. Busyness is like a status symbol. And so you're constantly going. You're constantly going. You're constantly going. You're stretching yourself. You don't know how to prioritize your schedule. So you just prioritize everything, which if you think about it, doesn't make sense because the whole thing of priority is that you can't prioritize everything, but everything somehow gets the priority and you suddenly find yourself committed to so many things and you're just tired. School and work is hard enough and then you gotta manage relationships and then you're dating and you're constantly trying to meet the expectations of other people and so you're going and you're going and you're going, meeting the expectations of your boss, of, your, uh, of, of whoever you're doing that project with or of your sorority sisters or whatever you've got going on and you're meeting the expectations, trying to live up to standards, meet the expectations of your parents and you're just going and you're going and you're going and you're doing too much. And I think for all of us, We're also just overexposed. We're seeing too much. So overwhelmed, we're processing so much. Overcommitted, we're doing too much. But overexposed, we're we're seeing too much. We're taking in too much. Our phones make it so impossible to disconnect from the world around us. So we're getting endless notifications of news, of things that are happening around the world, some stuff that causes you fear, some stuff that causes you anxiety. We're hearing about all the tragedy. We're hearing about all the crazy. I was in a conversation with somebody just a little while ago and they said, Sam, I feel like the world is just getting worse. And I thought, I don't know if it's getting worse, man, that there's some pretty dark history in our world. I just think we're seeing all the bad from all around the world in a way like never 
before. And when you see all the bad, it sure feels like it's never been worse. Social media and Instagram, constantly feeling like we have to measure up. Isn't it fascinating how that takes a mental toll on who you are? A mental toll on your energy? Comparing yourself to other people to where they are and where you're not and trying to meet expectations and trying to measure up overwhelmed, overcommitted, and overexposed. And maybe it's just me, but I could relate to every single one. And what starts to happen to you and to me when that is constant when there's just that constant berating on our hearts and our minds and our, and our wills, what starts to happen is we get tired, but not a tired that you can sleep off. It's deeper than that. In fact, there's a, a researcher at Florida State University who coined this phrase, ego depletion. Ego depletion. And it's a type of fatigue that goes far beyond anything physical. And look at what his research found. They conducted these studies, and this is fascinating. People living in, a, in this depleted condition, they report more tiredness and more negative emotion. Seems to make sense, obvious. Depleted people, this fatigue that goes far beyond anything physical. Depleted people who watch a sad movie are more sad than those that are not in that depleted state. That's what his research shows. His research showed that, research showed that when facing temptation, depleted people are more likely to give in. When faced with challenges, like an especially difficult task at work, depleted people are more likely to fail, give up, or turn in lower quality work. He found that the brain's area that's crucial for self-control, which is the anterior cingulate cortex, actually experiences a slowdown in depleted people. And as a result, they have less self-control and might do things that they normally wouldn't do. And then he found that depleted people have less satisfying relationships. Married couples who are both depleted find themselves bickering and fighting about trivial things that admittedly aren't that big of a deal. Ego, depletion, a type of fatigue that goes far beyond anything physical. And if I could just kind of take that idea the way that I read that and the way that I would interpret that, when you think about just the constant going of your will and your mind and your decision-making and your emotion and your body and you're going and you're going and you're going, call it the ego depletion or what I'd like to call it tonight is soul fatigue. My soul just gets tired and your soul gets tired and it's far beyond just the physical. It's something deeper. Like it's like when you know that you're just off and it's like, man, I, I don't know. Something's just not right. I'm just not myself. Something is just off. And our souls, I would argue, are getting tired. Culmination of who you are, your will, your mind and your body and your soul is just tired. And it's kind of hard to gauge, right? Because it's not like a gas tank and it's like the, the, the gas light comes on. It's not like we have this like soul gauge and then like, you know, uh, your nose lights up red when your soul is tired. It's like, oh, time to fill up, right? And so it's kind of hard to gauge, but here are a couple of indicators, I think, that your soul might be tired if things seem to bother you that probably shouldn't. Uh, your soul might be tired if it's hard to make up your mind even about simple decisions. 
Your soul might be tired if impulses and cravings and maybe even temptations are harder to resist. Your soul might be tired if you're more likely to favor short-term decisions, even if there are long-term consequences. As a result, your soul might be tired if your judgment is suffering. Your soul might be tired if you're having a difficult time um, forgiving or you're having some relational tension and you're not sure how to work it out, but you're just not really interested in working it out. Your soul might be tired if you find yourself having less courage or find yourself shrinking back more than usual. Your soul might be tired if you're having a difficult time connecting with God or it's even weird and difficult to try and pray and you just, something's just not right. Something's just not there. Your soul might be tired if you're feeling higher levels of stress, even anxiety. And maybe you're starting to wonder, you're just kind of feeling a little bit, maybe even depressed. Maybe not clinically. You just feel like something is off and everything is pessimistic and it's hard to find anything in the optimism that maybe your soul is tired if you find yourself and feel like, okay, I'm failing at everything. I can't figure anything out and I just don't want to do anything anymore because I can't handle it all. Maybe there's something deeper going on. And so what I want to do for just the next few minutes and then I'll be done is Jesus gives us an invitation. That's a solution. Jesus gives you and I an invitation for a different kind of pace to help you and I run a better race. And this invitation is found in Matthew chapter 11. And if you grew up in church, you've heard this verse. Uh, and even if you didn't grow up in church, if your grandma went to church, she probably has this verse like cross-stitched, you know, in a frame over her toilet in her bathroom or something. Maybe she gave you a pillow with this cross-stitched on it, but I wanna unpack it with us for just a few minutes tonight and hope you guys can discuss it together with whoever you're watching with. But this is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. He's talking to his disciples and he says this. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. All of you who are weary and burdened. You feel weary and burdened? Just me? This is speaking to my heart. Exhausted from the striving exhausted from the comparing, exhausted from the working. Maybe like something new is happening at work. Maybe you got a new job. Maybe you're in a position and you're like, man, I feel like I'm in over my head or this internship wasn't what I thought it would be or I feel like I keep failing and I'm just weary and I just feel like I can't do it anymore. Weary from school, it's just too much. Weary from the going and the going and the going. Are you burdened? Are you loaded down, working through all the difficulty, working through the tragedy, trying to figure out how to make it through the breakup? You're tired of the drama. You're consistently trying to live up to the expectations of other people and it's just a load. And Jesus says, are you weary? Are you burdened? Do you feel like you've messed up too much to come back to God? Are you burdened by your own sin? Come to me and I will give you rest. And that word rest, it doesn't mean a physical rest. No, 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 it's deeper than that. It's directly connected to the idea of restoration, that what Jesus wants to do for you and for me is to restore what's been depleted. And he goes on, verse 29. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, 
for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you, watch this, will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Can imagine Jesus in this moment. I wish I could see his face as he's saying this. I can imagine him just full of compassion, looking at you and looking at me saying, hey, listen, I know life is hard. I know the struggle is real. I know you feel like you are strapped in 10 different ways onto the struggle bus and you don't know how to get off. I get it. I don't want you to try this alone. Just, just, just come to me. Let me walk with you. Let me show you. Let me fill you And he says, come to me and you will find rest for your souls. He says something interesting, take my yoke upon you. A yoke was, is uh, this farming tool. You know, you would yoke two ox together or two cows or whatever, and they would pull a heavy load and till up the ground. And so what Jesus is saying, hey, you're yoked to something, take my yoke upon you. In other words, come walk with me. Come be connected to me. Come learn from me. Let me give you a different pace. Let me give you a different sustainability. Let me give you a new energy. Come walk with me. Come let the truth that I can give you replace the lies that you've been believing. And back in the first century, they would have understood that, that to be a really good Jew, what you had to do was to keep the law. And the law was some 600 plus commandments. And that was how you were okay with God. If you kept the law, and let me just tell you, it was impossible to keep the law. And often what you would find is the yoke of the law. That, that would be the context in the first century. They would talk about the yoke of the law, the heavy burden of the law. In other words, the heavy burden of trying to live up to a perfect standard that no human could. And it was a heavy burden. It was tiresome and nobody could do it. And what Jesus is saying, and they would have understood this, hey, drop that yoke that says you're never gonna be good enough. You're never gonna be good enough. You can never be perfect. You can never live sinless. You're never always going to get it right. So drop that yoke and come pick up a yoke that is light, that is burden-free. I did the heavy lifting for you. I did the heavy lifting so sin would never be a problem in your life. I did the heavy lifting so you could experience peace. I did the heavy lifting so you could experience joy. I did the heavy lifting so that you would no longer be defined by your ability to perform, that you would no longer be defined by what other people thought about you, but I did the heavy lifting so that you would be defined as a son or a daughter of the most high God. So come yoke yourself to me and let me give you a different pace. Let me give you a new truth. Renew your mind to what is true and you will find rest for your souls. Peace for your peaceless mind, hope for the hopeless heart and rest for the restless soul. And really quickly, I love what he says. This is the one place that Jesus tells us about his heart. He says, the reason you should come to me, because maybe you're, you're not a faith person and, and you're not really sure why would I wanna to come to Jesus? I get it, maybe he can offer me this. I don't really know, it sounds all kind of weird. Um, you don't know my story or, I don't know, Jesus just seems like a little too much. But right here in this moment, Jesus tells us who he is. It's the one place in the New Testament he tells us about his heart. And in the scriptures, whenever you talk about the heart, you're talking about the culmination of the person. And he says, I am gentle, and humble in heart. Your translation might say, I am gentle and lowly in heart. That word gentle literally means overflowing with compassion. That Jesus is patient. 
He never loses his patience with you or with me. He's overflowing with love and compassion for you and for me, that he's not interested in offering you a pointing finger of religion, but he wants to open up his arms for the sake of relationship. And then he says, I am lowly, I am humble. What he literally means is that in his humility, he came down to earth for you and for me. And so here's what it means, you ready? Jesus is saying, I am God, but I am approachable. I'm approachable. Like I've made myself available to you, no matter how bad you think you are, how messed up you think you are, how much you don't think faith is for you, I have made myself available to you. That's who he is. And so he looks at all of us, all of us that are overwhelmed, all of us that are just running, 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 all of us feeling we can't measure up, all of us feeling we're just, we, 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 we don't have it all together, we're peaceless, we're restless, we're joyless, we're hopeless. And he says, hey, come to me, walk with me. Let me give you a new pace. Let me renew your mind to truth. And Jesus says, walk with me, be yoked to me. So what does that look like? Is it that we are literally, you know, literally yoking ourselves to Jesus? It's a metaphor. What does he mean? It's real simple. Come spend time with me. Come spend time with me. Come spend time with me. In my truth, come learn what I have to say about you. Come slow down long enough to remember what is actually true about you, not what he said or she said. Come learn what is actually true about you, not what you think is true. Come slow down long enough to know where your value is derived. Come slow down long enough to remember that I'm always in control. Come slow down long enough to remember that I love you. This is really cheesy because it rhymes. But maybe you'll remember it because it's true. Your soul is at its best when you come to Jesus for rest. It's just true. Your soul is at its best. Your soul is at its healthiest. Your soul is most restored no matter what you're walking through when you consistently come to Jesus for Rest when you give him a little bit of your time day in and day out. When you spend time to let him speak to your heart. When you spend time in the scriptures to learn a little bit about who he is and his heart for you and what he thinks about you. Your soul is at its best when you come to Jesus for rest. Resting in what, man? When you're coming to Jesus for rest, what you're doing is you're resting in Jesus' sovereignty. This is big that nothing surprises him, that he is God, that he is in control and he is always with us even when everything around us feels like it's falling apart. That in those moments, we have to be able to trust something beyond us. And Jesus says, I can be that for you. That in those moments, we're resting in the grace of God, that there's a grace that always forgives. There is a grace that sustains us that we don't have to live our lives striving and trying to earn something and trying to be something for the sake of other people, but there's a grace that says, listen, I love you as you are. And you don't have to earn your way to me. No, no, I came to you. There's a grace that gives us breath. And then that we would rest in the promises of God. That in those moments when we're spending time with Jesus, we're being reminded of the promises that he's always with us that his hope is real because Jesus rose from the grave. 
that faith is real not because the Bible says so, the faith is real not because the preacher says so, the faith is real because we believe Jesus rose from the grave, that we have hope and our faith is real. And no matter what we're walking through, we can find peace and we can find hope because Jesus defeated death. Resting in Jesus is the end of our striving and it's the end of our trying and it's a moment to let our soul rest in the hands of our Savior. So practically, and we'll wrap up, what does this look like? What might it look like? What, what can I do tangibly to, to spend time with Jesus? Okay, yeah, yeah Bible, whatever, but like, give, me some, give me some practical things. I wanna give you an acronym for rest, R-E-S-T, an acronym for rest. You ready? Here we go. The first, release the toxic. In those moments of quiet, in those moments where you're spending time with Jesus, I want you to release the toxic. What do I mean by that? I want, and I, 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 I do this. I didn't just make this up. I mean, I did make this up, but I, I really do this. In those moments of stillness and quiet when you're spending time with Jesus, and, and maybe you don't spend time with Jesus yet, you can still do all this. I want you to release the toxic things that you are believing. I want you to literally slow down long enough to where you can feel yourself breathing. I do this in the morning before my kids wake up and you're just, you literally feel the lungs go in, the air, and then your lungs are, lungs are emptying. And then I want you to pick those toxic things that you're thinking and I want you to imagine yourself taking them and then you're throwing them out. And I do this. Can I just be real with you? Watch this. This is one of the ones I pick out all the time. Samer, you are as, only as good as your last sermon. Toxic. I gotta take that out. One that I've been feeling lately, Samer, you're in a new job and you've got a lot of people to impress. You better impress them. Samer, you are not in ministry to please people. Toxic. Samer, you're a failure. No, I failed. I'm not a failure. I want you to imagine whatever that toxic thought is that is ruling you. I want you to imagine yourself taking it and literally moving it out. And I want you to release the toxic. And in that moment, give Jesus space to speak truth to your heart. Release the toxic. E, eliminate distractions. Eliminate distractions. Like disconnect to reconnect, right? Put your phone away, put the homework away, put your computer away, turn the TV off and get to a space where you can eliminate distractions. We're so easily distracted, but do it just for a few minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Even get rid of, get rid of, get away from human distraction. And that leads to the second one, S, seek solitude. Like get alone for just a few minutes. Get alone for just a few minutes. Get alone where there's no other people. You're not worrying about what other people are thinking. Get to a comfortable place and give Jesus a space. And the last one, T, take your time. Don't feel rushed, but take your time. Leave enough space for the Savior of the world to speak to your heart because he wants you to go at his space to learn from him, to glean from him, and to ultimately follow him. So rest, release the toxic. E, eliminate distraction. S, seek solitude. And T, take your time. Because your soul and my soul is at its best. And I'm the best husband, the best father, and the best pastor, and the best friend 
when, my, when I come to Jesus for rest. Your soul and my soul is at its best when we consistently create space to come to Jesus for rest. So this week, carve out some time to figure out what that might look like for you. Love you. Let me pray for you real quick. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for the invitation of Jesus to come to him, to be close to him. I pray that you would meet anybody watching right where they are. Father, I pray that you would um, restore what's been depleted, that your peace and the hope of Jesus and the joy that is found in him would find its way into our hearts, that you would fill us up. It's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen.